Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Please join me in praying. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we worship you this morning. We thank you so much for the gift of your word, for the gift of the church, for the gift of your Holy Spirit living in us. When we ask in your kindness and mercy, if you would give us ears to hear and hearts that are eager to hear your word, that we may not only live a life pleasing to you, but become more like you, Jesus. May our passion be you, becoming like you, and being faithful to you. We pray all this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Who was it for you? For me, it was Casey Reisinger. We both were freshmen at Texas A&M, and we had chemistry together. He was a pre-vet major. I was an animal science major, and we had chemistry. And that class really bonded us together because it was difficult, but we also developed a good friendship. He was on the Texas A&M rodeo team, and there were times I'd go make road trips with him to the rodeos. And in one of those road trips, he began talking to me about his relationship with Christ. And I had grown up in a church-going background, so I was familiar somewhat with the story. And we talked for a while. And, and then finally, at one point, I just said, Casey, I am young. I just want to have fun. And he knew that that meant having fun was living apart from God, living a partying lifestyle that I thought was going to make me happy. And he wisely cut the conversation off and we started talking about something else. And, but seeds were planted. And a couple of years later, I did place my trust in Christ and give my life to him. And God has used Casey's conversation and friendship as one of the ways he led me to himself. What about you? Who did God use to bring you to faith, to introduce you to Christ? If you were a Christ follower, who was that person? In all likelihood, it was a relationship. It was a person because the majority of people who come to faith in Christ come to faith in Christ through friendships. It could have been a friend, a family member, a pastor, a young life leader, but in all likelihood, it was a person. And we are coming to the end of the Gospel of John. And the story we're looking at this morning is the first encounter that Jesus Christ had with the disciples after his resurrection. It's a life-altering moment. Not only do they see Jesus Christ is alive and resurrected, but they also receive their calling, their mission. They, the mission is not new. Jesus Christ has been preparing for them, preparing them for this for the last three and a half plus years. But today is a decisive day, a clear commissioning. But it's not only for the 12 disciples, it's for every disciple ever since. It's for you and I as the church. This is the mission of the church. So turn with me to John 20, 19 through 31, or, or tap into your phone app, whatever you use. And I just kind of want to walk through a few passages with you, starting with John 19. On the evening of Sunday, of Resurrection Day, Jesus Christ appeared to his disciples who were hiding behind locked doors in fear. They were fearful because their leader, Jesus Christ, had just been tortured and crucified, and they were concerned and afraid that the authorities were about to come after them as well. In verse 19, he automatically came. He stood among them, didn't come through a door, just all of a sudden appeared. 
And his first words to them after the resurrection, after his resurrection, were, peace be with you. Peace is rooted in the word, in the Hebraic word shalom. Peace and shalom really mean the same thing, and it means much more than just an absence of conflict. Shalom means a wholeness, a fullness of well-being for our lives. It means tranquility and contentment. Jesus Christ is proclaiming God's peace to them, his wholeness of well-being. May it be yours to the full because of my death and resurrection. It was a normal greeting of his day, but today, this day, took on new meaning because of his death and resurrection. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side to reveal to them the wounds of the cross. This same story happens in Luke 24. When he appeared like he did, they thought he was a spirit or a ghost. So in his kindness and mercy, he shows to them his physical wounds to reveal to them he really is alive. Physically, this is Jesus Christ in the flesh. And after they realize this is resurrected Christ, he is resurrected from the dead. He is alive. The text says they were overjoyed. Then Jesus declares to them three crucial truths that are, will change their lives and will change my life and your life if we're faithful. Verse 21, again, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. A second time he says this, and it's not just a greeting. He is emphasizing the peace that he gives us as the resurrected Christ. He has conquered sin and death. He has conquered fear and worry. He has crushed the serpent's head as prophesied in Genesis 3.15, defeating Satan and all of his demons. He has taken the curse of the fall upon himself and restoring God's shalom to people's lives and all of the world. He is alive and nothing will stay the same. Nothing will be the same. And he is saying in essence, guys, don't stay locked behind doors. Don't, don't stay behind locked doors in fear, but move out in my peace. He's reminding them of his words in John 16, 3. In me, you will have peace, for I have overcome the world. And the world and all of its threats and dangers. These are the words that we need to hear today, that we do not need to fear death. We do not need to fear suffering. Our resurrected and conquering king is with us and calls us to rest and to trust in his goodness, his presence, and his love. He calls us to not live in fear, even in our current worldwide pandemic. And Jesus desires for us to live in and experience his peace that sets us free. This is one reason why we pass the peace to each other during our worship services. After we have confessed our sins and we're gathered together, we pass the peace because we're basically communicating to each other, may you be experiencing the fullness of God's peace that we can experience through Christ's forgiveness and love. And that's what his heart is for us, is to live in his peace as a way of life. The second movement is to move out into the world is an overflow out of his peace. And he says, verse 21, the second part, is a father has sent me, I am sending you. Sent is a word we need to pay attention to. Jesus describes himself as the sent one, sent by the father 40 different times in the gospel of John. One of the main ways he identifies who he is. Jesus Christ was sent by God to bring salvation and eternal life to the world. 
John 3, 16 through 17, a passage we're very familiar with. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life there is life, Zoe. It's a life that is so full, so abundant, so overflowing. It can only come from the one who is eternal. The next verse, for God did not send his son. There's one of them. He sent his son not to condemn the world, but in order the world might be saved through him. Jesus was sent by God to bring salvation and eternal life to the people that God created and loves deeply. People that were lost to him in the fall. People that are being restored back to him and his shalom through faith in Christ. As his disciples, his church, we are sent by Jesus is the way he was sent. But what are we sent to actually do? Because we're not Jesus Christ. We don't die on the cross for people's sins. We couldn't do that anyway. What specifically are we sent to do? One of the primary ways to answer that is by looking back through the Gospel of John and to see how does Christ model for this? How does he disciple us and what this looks like for our lives? And it starts, if you turn with me to John 1.1, it starts from the very, very beginning. And it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. A word, the word of God communicates, Jesus Christ is, is, is a name for him, the word of God. It communicates who God is, it's what words do, communicate. In other words, Jesus Christ is revealing to us who God is because he is God incarnate, fully God and fully man. But why did Christ come into the world to reveal who God is? John 1, 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God so that we could be restored back to God in this intimate love relationship known as, as his children. He's our father. We are his sons and his daughters. He came to restore us back to God and experience the intimacy with him and, and to enjoy each other and to love each other for all eternity. John 1, 29, continue to look at this, the, the, the gospel of John and how it unfolds who Jesus Christ is. Verse 29, chapter 1, the next day John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is who Jesus Christ is, the Lamb of God who died on the cross to take the penalty for our sins, that they would be removed from us, that we could be restored and reunited and get back to God and his love for all eternity. That's who Christ is. And part of our role is to be, the mission is to communicate the beauty and the glory of who Christ is to the world around us. And you can just go through every chapter, John 2. He, he says he does his first sign in John 2, which is turning water into wine. And all the signs were like signposts or miracles that just scream out, this is the Messiah. This is God incarnate. Not only look at who Jesus Christ is, but look at what eternal life looks like. Look at what salvation looks like. In this particular image he gives us, he turns water into wine, and wine all throughout the Old Testament is a symbol of abiding and lasting joy. Joy to the full we can have through Christ. John 3, Nicodemus, he communicates you must be born again through faith in Christ. John 4, passage we're very familiar with, Christ pursues a woman at the well that's been rejected and scorned by society, engages with her and tells her what he offers her living water, who he is, the Messiah. The disciples come back talking, 
come back from town trying to grab some lunch. They come back and there's 34 and they're re re going back and saying, you know, we got you lunch. And Jesus says, I'm not hungry. And they're going back and forth saying, well, did, did somebody else feed him? Did he already get lunch somewhere else? And look at verse 34. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My nourishment, my life nourishment is to do the will of God and to accomplish what he has sent me to do, to be living for faithfully and being sent by God to accomplish his work. What does that work look like? It's exactly what he's been doing, pursuing the woman at the well, loving her, caring for her, listening to her, and presenting to her the good news of who Jesus Christ is and what he offers us. Salvation and eternal life pictured through living water that satisfies the deepest thirst of our soul. And then verse 35, again, he's pointing them out to their mission all along. He said, do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. We just planted a garden in our own house. We've been planting the garden here at the farm at New Garden Park. A lot of um, plants have been planted for the harvesting of fruit. But it's going to be three or four months before we can eat that and enjoy that fruit. And Christ is saying, you don't have to wait three or four months. Look out there and see that the, the white robes that people wore in this day, they're ripe for harvest. Follow my footsteps and go and love people and pursue people and serve people and engage with them and share the good news, the gospel of who I am and what I offer them, eternal life and forgiveness of sins through faith in me. You could go on and on all throughout the gospel of John. Every chapter is rich, full of who Christ is and models for us what our mission is. Jesus was sent and you and I are sent by Jesus to be faithful in the call of sharing the good news, the gospel of who Jesus is and the eternal life and forgiveness of sins that he offers us. He sent us to proclaim God's shalom. The fullness of his peace that was lost in the fall is now being restored in all the world through faith in Christ. The peace of the shalom of God in our hearts in our relationships, in our marriages, in our parenting, in our communities, our cultures, our physical world, and all the world. In his peace, he sends us out to offer the peace of Christ to the world around us and to restore God's shalom back to the world through faith in Christ. We understand that the gospel of John uses the word believe all throughout the scriptures to talk about what it means to have a relationship with Christ. And we understand that believe is not just an intellectual belief. James says that demons believe in God. Believe is, is not just an intellectual, it is a wholehearted trust and reliance upon God himself. It means that we, with our emotions, with our whole, our will, our mind, everything, that we embrace who he says he is and that we surrender our lives to him, that we can follow him and trust, surrender, and obedience. Jesus becomes our life. That's what eternal life means. We are sent by Jesus as a father was sent by the father, as Jesus was sent by the father. And this is the third truth in verse 22, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now verse 22 kind of sounds, kind of sounds weird. It says that um, with this command, this commission to go out, he says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Sounds a little bit weird that Christ breathed on them. But the word breath and spirit are the same word. 
And it's the idea that we, it's, it's really a foretaste of what happens at Pentecost in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit comes and empowers and dwells all the church to enable them to live out Acts 1-8, to go into the world, all the world, to be his witnesses, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I firmly believe that one of the things he's trying to tell us is that we cannot do this on our own. It's not us living out this mission by us just pulling up our bootstraps by just sheer willpower or making ourselves do it. It's that wholehearted childlike reliance upon the Spirit of God, Christ living in us through his Holy Spirit, the third person of eternity that has made our heart his home. And that living person inside us is the one that motivates us, the one that gives us the heart of Christ, the compassion of Christ, the wisdom of Christ, the boldness of Christ to go into the world, to build relationships, to share the gospel. And that power is released when we recognize that we cannot do it and we cry out, Lord, have mercy. Please help me. His power is released in us through trust and then stepping out in obedience and trust. As I come to a close, allow me to be practical. I'm not sure what blocks us from living us out in our day-to-day lives, but I sincerely believe that many of us, most of us, have a deep desire to be faithful to this call. We do really do want to be faithful witnesses to Christ and to live out our calling. And my hope this morning is to fan into flame a holy fire that that would empower us to go and live that calling out. Church, we are not called to live a life of ease and comfort. We are not called to live a life of staying behind closed doors and fear. We are called to a life of service and sacrifice out of love. We're called to love and follow Jesus by laying down our lives and our own agenda and taking up the cross and following him into the world and pursue people and proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and what he offers through his death and resurrection. Jesus is worthy of us breaking down the door of fear and excuses and pursuing people in love and praying for opportunities to plant seeds, to share the gospel, to reveal who Christ is and share the good news. And please remember that evangelism or witnessing is not a method, it's not an event, it's a process. It's a process of loving and engaging others. And in today's world, and and that most people do come to faith through Christ through relationships of trust, relationships that respect other people's opinions and don't look down upon others, building relationships of love and respect, of friendship, companionship, and looking for opportunities to plant the seeds, to share your story of how Christ has made a difference in your own life, and to share the story of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his invitation to faith. Brothers and sisters, let us be bold and ask God to give us the creative wisdom and the supernatural motivation to reach out and literally pursue others that are locked behind closed doors and fear. Today, we can still visit people if we stay six feet apart, taking walks with our neighbors, taking walks with friends or coworkers, just staying six feet apart, asking them how they're doing. People are, today are just hungry to talk about what's going on because they feel so isolated. Ask someone who, do, who does not know Christ to go for a walk and ask them, What's going on? How are you? And pray for opportunities to plant the seed of how Jesus has given you peace. And in a non-forced way, if you have an opportunity, 
You can share the hope of Christ that he offers them. You can pursue people through FaceTime, through Zoom, friends or coworkers. You can start a book club, a book club that fits with where, where the person that you're talking to that would fit with them, that would point them to Christ in a way that's relevant for them. There's so many different ways we can be bold and be creative. But many people today in today's world are open and ripe because they're fearful. And we recognize you can read online articles through Billy Graham Association, all these different ministries that are focused on evangelism and witnessing. People are coming to Christ because of the fear and the anxiety. It's making them think about what life's really about and what happens when we die. Men and women, we are not called to huddle together in fear. We are called and empowered by God to continue the mission of Jesus Christ, proclaiming the good news of Jesus and the offer of eternal life to all. In his peace, we are sent to continue the mission of Christ. Will you and I be faithful? Please pray with me the, the collect for the mission of the church that's found in our prayer book. Please join me and let's pray this together. Oh God, our Heavenly Father, you manifested your love by sending your only begotten Son into the world that all might live through him. Pour out your Spirit on your church that we may fulfill his command to preach the gospel to all. Send forth laborers into your harvest. Defend them in all dangers and temptations and hasten the time when the fullness of the Gentiles should be gathered in and faithful Israel shall be saved. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.